begins our consideration of the last section of the book of Daniel. There be two more chapters which we'll consider in two more sermons. But chapters 10 through 12 are really all one vision. Chapter 10 is kind of an introduction to what follows. Chapter 11 is the main body of the vision, and then there is kind of an epilogue and an additional prophecy in chapter 12. Now, at the time chapter 10 of Daniel was written, Cyrus the Great had already issued an order allowing the Jews to return to the land of Palestine, to return to Jerusalem, to rebuild the temple. But though the prophecy of Jeremiah had been fulfilled and though the Jews had always had a very high national consciousness as they still do today, very few of them had responded to that call. And it was very disheartening for Daniel and those who were faithful to see how few of them had any desire to go home. They were prosperous. They had gained respect. They were comfortable in the land of Babylon, and they had settled down seemingly to stay. Indifferent and unconcerned, they have not returned yet. And it is this which prompts Daniel to the mourning, the grief that leads him to the point of seeking the face of the Lord once more. Now, this vision of Daniel was very shortly before the death of Daniel. He had this vision, he finished his book, and shortly after the return from exile began, Daniel died. These, in these last three chapters are some of the most minute and detailed of all the Old Testament prophecies. Now, being an introduction to the prophecy, there is very little prophetic meat in this chapter, and yet it is highly important to see some of the things that are established here. First of all, in verse 1, here is a violent message that Daniel receives. He says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. And the message was true, and one of great conflict. But he understood the message and had an understanding of the vision. The message that Daniel saw was one of great conflict. It was a violent message. But he affirms at the beginning that what is to follow and what he's going to tell us in these chapters is not a matter of guesswork. For not only did he see, not only was a vision revealed to him, but... God explained it to him further. In verses 2 through 9, here is the price of guidance. Now, I mentioned last week, as I have been deeply impressed all the way through the book of Daniel with the fact that this man that was used of God in an almost unprecedented way, who walked with God so intimately, this man paid a price to know God and to be God's instrument that nobody I've ever known would be willing to pay. And here again we see the price of guidance. Let's read these verses. In those days, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks. I did not eat any tasty food, nor did meat or wine enter my mouth, nor did I use any ointment at all, until the entire three weeks 
were completed. And on the 24th day of the first month, while I was by the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen whose waist was girded with a belt of pure gold of Euphaz. His body was like beryl, his face had the appearance of lightning, his eyes were like flaming torches, his arms and feet were like the gleam of polished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a tumult. Now I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, while the men who were with me did not see the vision. Nevertheless, a great dread fell on them, and they ran away to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision. Yet no strength was left in me, for my natural color turned to a deathly pallor, and I retained no strength. But I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell into a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. Daniel was very anxious. He was so anxious and concerned over the fate of his people and their reluctance to take advantage of the opportunity that God had given them to go home that he had fasted for 21 days. Now, I believe the context would indicate, as would the date that Daniel puts on this vision later, that what he had done was to observe the Passover. Now, all of the time, Israel occupied the land of promise, and even when they were in the wilderness, Passover was a time of great thanksgiving and celebration where they enjoyed and blessed the name of God for delivering them from Egypt, bringing them across the sea in the Jordan River, and giving them a land of their own. I suspect that during the 70 years of exile, those faithful Jews who continued to celebrate Passover celebrated it with more of a, a note of sorrow, a note of grief, because the land which God had given them, they had forfeited through their sins. And yet, they kept worshiping. They kept celebrating it. Many of them did. Many did not. And Daniel had observed the Passover. Now, he says here that he did not any ta eat any tasty food, nor meat, or wine. He doesn't say he totally fasted. Very likely, he ate the unleavened bread of the Passover with the bitter herbs and the water and continued that observance for three entire weeks because of the heavy burden that was on his heart. Thus, Daniel devoted himself to knowing the mind of God fully and trying to find out what it was that God could do for his people. He was anxious. As of yet, Daniel did not fully understand all that God had revealed to him. And in some ways, this last vision of his book answered many of his questions. He is in mourning, his people do not want to go home, and his grief and intercession for his people are dominating his life during this time. Now notice that God did not seem to answer his prayer. Here was a man unlike any man on the earth at that time who walked with God, and yet for over three weeks there was no answer. 
And yet Daniel continued faithfully, persistently to pray. This entire chapter is devoted to Daniel's being totally prepared to be God's instrument of this final revelation. Now the vision that he sees, beginning with verse 5, is very much like the vision in Revelation chapter 1, which is identified as the Lord Jesus. And I think it's quite obvious that by the glory ascribed to the one seen in the vision, Daniel sees the pre-incarnate Jesus taking the form of a man as we see many times throughout the Old Testament where the angel of the Lord or the angel of Jehovah presents himself. Now notice he says that only he saw the vision, yet a great fear fell on those who were with him. Now when Saul of Tarsus was persecuting the church and going from Jerusalem to Damascus, on the road to Damascus, Saul saw a vision and was struck blind by a bright light from heaven, and only he saw it and only he heard the voice. But at that time also, the very presence of God threw those companions of his into deep fear. Thus it is here. They didn't see and hear what Daniel saw and heard, but they were very frightened and ran away. He says he had no strength left, and it is a wonder that he survived. For when sinful man sees a holy God, he finds himself prostrate on the ground, even if he's one of the best men on the earth. Daniel paid the price for guidance from God. And though our devotion to God will seldom take the extreme form of total devotion that Daniel did. If we are to know and understand the mind of God, it will be because we pay a price to know him better. In verses 10 to 17, here is the power of Satan. Daniel writes, Then behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man of high esteem, Understand the words that I am about to tell you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word, I stood up trembling. Then he said, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before God, your, word, your, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision pertains to days yet future. And when he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. And behold, one who resembled a human being was touching my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke and said to him who was standing before me, O my Lord, as a result of the vision, anguish has come upon me and I have retained no strength. For how can such a servant of my Lord talk with such as my Lord? As for me, there remains just now no strength in me, 
nor has any breath been left in me. Daniel here was touched by Gabriel and told something that I would never have suspected if Scripture didn't reveal it. Gabriel is one of the archangels. He is a personal messenger of God the Father. Gabriel stands for God in the presence of men. Gabriel says, Daniel, your prayers were heard from the first day, but I was opposed and prevented for 21 days from coming to you. Now, this prince of Persia is an evil angel. God has guardian angels for the nations of the earth and for individuals. Just so, in many cases, the devil has his angelic princes assigned to nations and to individuals. The prince of Persia was the personal emissary of the devil to try to turn the nation of Persia away from anything God might want them to do. And so great was the power of this angelic prince, the evil prince sent by Satan, that he was able to detain the archangel of God for three weeks. Now, the devil has no power like the power of God. But, beloved, you had better believe that you are no match for him. You are no match for him at all. Note the power of Satan. Now, Michael, who is the guardian angel of the people of Israel, came and helped Gabriel, and that victory was won. Now he tells Daniel that the vision is for the last days, days that are yet far in the future. All of this ought to underline the fact that Paul revealed to us when he said, we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The battles that matter are spiritual. Overcome again by weakness, Daniel falls and is unable to speak until he is touched and empowered again by the angel. Our earthly victories depend on triumphs in heavenly places. And it is prevailing prayer in the name of Jesus that will make the difference. We have to get triumph in that realm before we can get it publicly. You have to win it privately, alone in your spirit. Like Elijah found out when he hid himself in anonymity by the brook Kareth, you must first hide yourself with God before you are ready to show yourself to the world and make a difference. And then in verses 18 to 21, as this introduction to the vision concludes, notice the strength that God gives. Daniel writes, Then this one with human appearance touched me again and strengthened me, 
And he said, O man of high esteem, do not be afraid. Peace be with you. Take courage and be courageous. Now as soon as he spoke to me, I received strength and said, May my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you understand why I came to you? But I shall now return to fight against the prince of Persia. So I am going forth, and behold, the prince of Greece is about to come. However, I will tell you what is inscribed in the writing of truth. Yet there is no one who stands firmly with me against these forces except Michael, your prince. Once more the angel is sent, and he strengthens Daniel. And notice in the latter part of verse 20, or in the middle part of the verse, he tells him what he is going to do, or verse 21, I'm sorry, at the beginning. He says, I'm going to tell you what is inscribed in the writings of truth. There is in heaven where God dwells the full and undiluted words of God recorded for eternity. What we have in our Bible is a perfect treasure of the wisdom of God that are excerpts from the holy writings in heaven. Daniel was told as he was writing Scripture, which we honor as the Word of God, what I am telling you is part of the scriptures or the writings of truth. And note that when God does lead you, he will never lead you independent of or contradictory of the scriptures. He never will, for in them is found the mind of God. Now, he foreshadows what is to follow as he mentions the prince of Greece. The prince of Greece, obviously, is an angelic prince, the emissary of Satan, who was working in the Grecian peninsula prior to its being united under Alexander. Gabriel and Michael alone, we are told, stand for God's people. They are the two prime archangels of God, his most powerful helpers. And he had assigned them, as he still does, to protect his chosen people. A truth this passage teaches is that God's people have angelic princes who stand for them against the enemy. But if we are to discern the mind of God and have the visitation of his leadership, then we're going to have to pay the price for guidance. We're going to have to receive God's strength and accept God's word in order to be used as Daniel was. Now, I believe as far as the history of the race is concerned, the days in which we live are more critical than the days in which Daniel lived. And God is searching for some who will stand with him 
in these last days. In Daniel 11, there is Daniel's prophecy about the great tribulation, and we shall see how closely it accords with the book of Revelation. And then the epilogue and a note about the end of the age in chapter 12. And then we'll be through with the prophecy of Daniel. May we pray. Heavenly Father, somehow we want all of the blessing without paying the price for it. And somehow we want to glean from the prophecy and we want to learn the truth, but we don't want to pay any kind of a price for understanding and wisdom and discernment. But I pray that in some way you would pierce the shell that surrounds each of us and touch us in an area where we're vulnerable to your touch, where we will begin to care more and more about being your instruments during these critical days. Now, Father, reveal the truth to us. As Daniel was through his devotion, may we be prepared to receive and assimilate the truth that is to follow in his book. Father, use us. Give us a sense of our need of you and our dependence on you day by day. And may we be fully and wholly yours with nothing held back. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We sing just as I am during this time of commitment. What he would have you do tonight that involves a public, private commitment. Do it right now. Do it quickly.